Welcome to Raising Parents 2.0, where we learn to take fear and worry out of life and parenting and lead with love and leadership. I'm your host, Saloni Singh, a mom, a life, family and self-mastery coach. Every week, I'm interviewing inspiring people from all walks of life to talk about the essential ingredients to create a life that inspires you, your children and make a positive impact in the world too. A life you love living. So let's begin. And since the beginning of this podcast, I have talked about the importance of holding safe, nurturing space for our loved ones and for people, any relationships we have in life. As we have t- I've talked about earlier as well, holding space means really being present for someone emotionally, mentally, physically, in all ways. Supporting someone to be there for them and to let them feel whatever they're feeling. And today it's my delight and joy to have a guest who is a holding space trainer. She's a psychotherapist and coach, Rachel Starbrook. Rachel has been holding space for over 15 years as a facilitator, therapist and deep transformation coach. Having personally traversed the twists and turns of the transformational terrain, she holds and facilitates sacred spacious spaces that allow and honor many places of healing. She believes that all healing is self-healing and continually commits herself to raising her own consciousness in service of a more connecting, loving world. So let's welcome Rachel. Hi, Saloni. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Rachel. So, so happy to have you here today. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic, which is really close to my heart, holding space. And I would like to actually give a shout out to Leon, Leon Vanderpool, <laughs> who connected us as well. Thank you, Leon. Absolutely. It's such a joy to be here and yeah, to continue kind of exploring this topic with you. I know Leon kind of started part one, and so it's exciting to kind of dive in more. Yes, it looked like a sequel to that. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Rachel, I would love to start, like, to ask, first of all, how has been your journey and how you have come to become a holding space? So in terms of especially being a holding space trainer, I mean, how has been your own spiritual journey and how you've reached here? That's what I want to know first. Yeah, well, thank you so much for that question. You know, I think looking back, I can see how holding space has always been this thread that's kind of woven itself through all of my interests, my hobbies, my career choices, my volunteer choices. Um, You know, from a very young age, I think from when I was in college, I was super passionate and interested in, you know, being in spaces and creating spaces where others could be really deeply authentic and really deeply held and connected to Um, whether that was through theater or you know teaching or dance or you know other things Um, and then i feel like life kind of said to me well if you really are here to hold space if this is really your soul's purpose then we're really going to give you the opportunity to learn to do that for yourself. And so what I mean by that is I've been chronically ill or I was chronically ill um, from the time I was 16 to about 36. So there were 20 years where off and on I was struggling, Mm -hmm. struggling to be healthy, 
struggling to thrive, struggling to be in the world as I saw others be in the world um, because I was dealing with chronic illness. And it was so excruciating. That that path was so painful and so challenging. And, you know, being in my 20s and 30s and not having the life experience that others had or feeling like I couldn't, you know, have that experience um, was very, very challenging. And I will be honest that I did not do a good job at holding space for myself. I had no idea. It's like I was showing up in the world and I kind of had a sense of how to do that for others and I was learning. But when it came to myself, it was, um, I really denied myself love and I really denied myself acceptance and I struggled to fix and change myself for so many years in my circumstance. Um, And then one day, (laughs) nearly 20 years after I was diagnosed, Um, I went to hear one of my favorite spiritual teachers talk and it was a day long event. And towards the end of the day, I, I stood in line and, uh, it was a book signing line. And I wanted to, to ask him this question that was burning inside of me. And I got to the table and I said to him, what message do you have, um, for my body that won't heal itself? And he just looked at me with eyes just full of love. And he said, stop trying to heal yourself. And it was like, there was this like pivotal paradigm shift inside of me where I, I could fully surrender. Like I could fully meet myself without having to change a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where my healing journey really took off and, um, you know, has put me where I am today, really, in my own health, in my own well-being, in my own career success, and in all of that. So it was quite the journey. It was quite, quite the journey, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Wow, that must be profound. That must be really profound experience. So what was the main essence or the learning that came from that experience? I don't know that. What was it that shifted maybe in you, actually? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, any form of trying to fix ourselves or change ourselves or change what's happening or feel differently um, is a sense of separation from ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of like, let's stop trying to heal ourselves. Let's stop trying to be whole. Let's stop trying. You know, it's, it's kind of radical because we are whole already we are healed already we are all those things but we forget we have this misperception in the mind that parts of us are okay and not okay parts of us are good and bad and healthy and unhealthy and right and wrong and we have all these judgments you know conscious or unconscious that really disallow um disallow us from receiving love as we are where we are and so for me, it was a pretty radical experience to meet myself instead of trying to change myself and to kind of bring that love back where I had denied it. Mm. Innocently, you know, I didn't mean to deny myself love, but I did. It was like, as long as I was sick, as long as these things were happening, as long as I felt this way, you know, that beingness in me did not deserve love or reverence is basically what I was doing. And so for me, you know, holding space is about letting go of judgment of who we are and where we are and bringing a sense of respect and reverence Mm. 
to wherever we are in this present moment. That sounds beautiful. And uh, I'm just wondering that if somebody like I, I get that I have been in this journey for long and really struggled with trusting my wholeness and come to I would say I, I might like to love to say that I've come to good good you know way ahead now though still we always keep falling back but for someone who might be struggling with let's say some physical illness or some emotional trauma and they just can't see uh, the wholeness at all and they're like no but my practical experience is totally different i mean how how would you say that they can start to see that even because people sometimes say that yeah it sounds like a concept or maybe for moments it might find feel like it's yeah what you're saying it making sense but when it comes to their own pain and in those moments of pain that doesn't feel real for them right of course of course and i will say you know as i mentioned in my journey this took me 20 years and it's still it's not that it's over <laughs> you know there's always more to practice there's always more to hold space for and the deeper we go in our own journey you know the more we really need healing containers you know the more that we really deserve someone to hold space for us so i want to be really real that sometimes when we're going through something that is so painful and excruciating and challenging and uncomfortable you know the the best thing we can do for ourselves is have space held for us yeah. you know and let ourselves receive the gift of that so i still have space held for me you know it's it's still a part of my self-care and my healing journey and my transformation so i just want to put it out there that we all deserve that especially in the complexity of our world and what's going on um However, in our course, in our Holding Space for Healing course through the Center for Transformational Coaching, we teach six different practices. So these aren't like fix-it tools. It's not like, hey, do this and feel better. It's not, <laughs> these are not, you know, band-aids or quick ways out of wherever we're feeling, but they're practices that really help us come closer to ourselves. You know, really help us, um, like Leon talked about, slow down and become present in a way where we can begin to expand our capacity to hold whatever we're holding. Yeah. And to partner with spirit in that, you know, to partner with the mystery in that. So whatever you believe about, you know, whatever you believe about something that's bigger than ourselves, whether it's the universe or God or spirit or nature, or again, just the mystery, it's like we get to, we get to partner with that to help us to help us begin to hold the really uncomfortable experiences inside of us. It's not just about us doing it al alone. Holding space is relational, whether that's between you and I, if we're working, you know, if I'm holding space for you, whether it's about a community coming together to hold space for one another, or whether it's about me working with spirit mm. and having spirit to help me hold space. So it is relational. Holding space is very relational. I'm glad you made that point that sometimes we just need somebody else there who can hold really space for us. And that uh, brings to me to the question that what is holding space for somebody who might not actually be very, you know, well-versed and might be wondering that, okay, maybe I've heard of this word, but I know somebody is going through pain in my, some loved one, my child or partner, anybody. And uh, I have no idea what does that mean? Or then the next question would come, of course, how to do that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a big question and I think it's constantly evolving. And I think that there's a lot of people out there talking about holding space and none of it is right and wrong. You know, I think we're all, I'm grateful to say that we're all collectively kind of coming to this realization at the same time that holding space is important. It's like, I want to like, you know, jump up and down. I'm so happy, you know, that this is coming into the collective, you know, more and more. Um, and I would just say, you know, holding space is being with, being with another, you know, without judgment, without an agenda. Okay, this needs to happen. That needs to happen. You know, without fixing or rescuing or saving someone from what they are in. It's just like being present with them. I like this image of like walking alongside someone as they're walking down the path of life. And you're just walking together. You're not trying to get off the path. You're not trying to clear anything. You're not trying to like jump in a car. You know, it's like you're just walking and listening and being there for that person. So that, and, and really the, the desired outcome of that, you know, why would we do that? You know, what's really the highest intention? And, you know, when we hold space for someone, we're allowing them to be where they are. And when they're allowed to be where they are and feel what they feel, what begins to happen is they begin to understand, oh, I can hold this. And beyond the stress, the chaos, the disruption, the pain, the fear is an innate sense of strength and capability to hold this and to get through this, right? They begin to tap into that. When we come in and fix it or give advice or try to save, we actually, it's a disempowering place to come from. It's like, you can't do this by yourself. So I'm going to help you and show you. Again, mostly that comes from love. And most of us learn that that's what love means. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make this better for you. I'm going to carry this for you. It's so sweet. And it's so innocent, right? But it is disempowering, ultimately, because that person, no matter what they're going through, is whole, is brilliant, is, you know, is intelligent, is capable. And so our presence and how we relate to them in that moment shows them that. And we can do that for our loved ones, for our coworkers, for our children, for our community members, and, you know, for ourselves. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. The way you describe it is just beautiful. And I think these are the main areas which, which comes in between when we're trying to really hold space, especially for someone we really love, someone who's really close to us, that, that need to fix their pain. And that comes so, so quickly, especially I see in close like family members like your partner or a sibling or a, or a child. Because uh, what I have noticed that the uncomfortableness that how uncomfortable we are with other people's pain so that is something which i always feel that uh, stops somewhere us to really just hold space and see them in that wholeness you're talking about so what, what do you think what are the other things that actually stop us from really gently holding that space hmm. i think you named it so perfectly saloni i think it's from a very young age, most of us are not taught to hold our own pain and to hold our own discomfort and how to be with it. 
I mean, think about it, you know, a child falls down on the playground and it's like, you're okay, you're okay, you know, it's okay, you know, it's, and, or if they're upset, you know, we get messages, you know, when we're upset or when we're scared, you know, again, well-intended parents sometimes, but we hear things like, you know, you know, be happy, get over it. Like, don't be scared. Don't be sad. You know, it's just these little tiny messages that over time we don't really learn how to be with our own pain. And so when we grow up and we're in the, and we're facing, we're, you know, we're in the face of another's pain, especially like you said, oh my God, our children's pain. That's hard. That is so challenging not to want to change for them somehow or to fix for them somehow. Because again, we're not used to being with our pain and bringing love to that place. Right. So something we teach in the course is like, how do we hold more from the heart and less from the head? So what I mean by that is, let's say I'm, I'm in the face of someone else's pain. My head's going to tell me so much. My head's going to say, ooh, this is uncomfortable. Ooh, I don't like this. Ooh, I don't want them to suffer. What do I do? You know, what do I do, right? What do I do? What do I do? How do I help? You know, that's what the mind's going to do. But the heart is unconditional, right? The heart of love is unconditional. And the heart can actually say, this is okay. And I'm going to be here with you. And I'm going to bring my compassion. I'm going to bring my love. I'm going to bring my patience and my trust, really. I think it takes a lot of trust. But again, the more we kind of learn these practices to come more into our heart center, that ability to be there just naturally begins to increase. So I think it's also really important to begin to cultivate awareness. Okay, what's what's coming from my head and what's coming from my heart? Yeah. What would love what would love say in this place? What would love do in this place? It's a question I love to ask my students, you know, when facing discomfort or challenge or pain. That's a beautiful question. And I, I certainly see that being a mom myself. I mean, it's just so hard. Like if my daughter is going through something and she's sharing some heartbreak or something, it's like, I just want to quickly fix and make her feel better. And of course, it's immediately, okay, how can I cheer her up? How can I do something? Can I, can I do something, buy something just to, you know, just bring that smile. So yeah, and we just have no idea how to hold pain. Yeah, yeah we don't. And I think we get to forgive ourselves for that. You know, like really like, Give ourselves grace in that, you know, and if, and if you are someone that wants to learn that, it is totally learnable. It is totally possible, you know, and we all have the innate ability to do this work, to be relational in this way, if we want to. Absolutely. I, I loved what you said, Rachel, about coming from the heart more than mind, because I think it's more about we instantly go in a doing mode what can i do for the other person i would like to know if there's anything else you can suggest which somebody who's listening and they're like wow this is beautiful like how can i really be more from the space of my heart center and not that much from my mind is there anything else i love the question you you know you shared what else is any practice which people can do because we are always in the mind <laughs> we know that it's a prison. Like we are always stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say you know a lot of holding space is about being 
not about doing. So again, if, if, if and when someone feels like they're in the doing mode, I got to do something, <laughs> right? This isn't okay. And I got to do something, right? Again, all, you know, I, I have so much compassion for that because we all fall into that. We all have different thresholds for pain. But when someone really kind of comes into that place, the first thing I think to do is to take a breath. You know, is to just slow down. And when we slow down and we start to pay attention to our breathing, you know, Saloni, we become more present and we become more in our body. And when we're more present and when we're more in our body and when we're not trying to get out of what's happening, right? We're not trying to get to a future place or we're not reacting from a past place. You know, as a parent, you could be like, oh my God, you know, this is, this already, you know, I, I watched this happen with my kid two years ago and this was awful and I know what happens if we stay here. And, you know, there's all this past um, trauma or, you know, whatever. And then there's the like, well, if we can just get here, we'll be safe. So I have to do something so we can get to anywhere else but here. You know, I call it the ejector button. But if we can let go of that past and future reactivity and we can breathe and we can become present, then we have a choice in being. Right. So then we can say to ourselves, who do I choose to be in this moment? And just that takes a lot of practice, a lot of effort at first. It's like building a new muscle, right? But it's like if you can say to yourself, who do I choose to be? with this person right now. And then just see, you know, I call it first thought, best thought, you know, what arises? Oh, I choose to be loving. Okay. And now I just get to practice being loving. My words come from love. Or I'm gonna practice being patient. What would I say to this person if I was being patient? What would I do? Maybe I wouldn't say anything. Maybe I would just sit back and listen. A lot of holding space is about listening because it's not about us as the space holder. A lot of times in normal conversation, it's like, I want to tell you what I think. I want to tell you about how this relates to me. I want to tell you about the same thing that happened to me. I want to tell you about when I went through that painful situation or I lost my mother or I, you know, had the situation with my boss. It's like we're always wanting to add that kind of value. But when we're holding space, it's a different kind of value. And that value doesn't include us having to share anything about ourselves. So when in doubt, listen more, be more, and do less. Right. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Be more and do less. Yeah. Be more and do less. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, that also brings to me the same thing which we were discussing in the beginning, that because we don't know how to hold space for ourselves, that is one of the biggest reasons that we are, we are not able to lot of times to do it for other people as well so what could be a way to start with ourselves because i think that always come in the way for example especially with parents most of the time they lose their temper because they themselves are so stressed out they're so anxious or going through something they haven't actually dealt with or they are not ready to come to terms with so all of this really just come out, especially in parenting, you know, relationship. So how do you really hold space for that? Because I think that, that's where we start from. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you and I were talking about the other day, you know, it is so true that we have to fill our own cup first. You know, we have to 
be willing to start holding space for ourselves first before we can really effectively do it for other people. And if we want to learn to hold space, if we want to cultivate our presence in, these, in, this, in this way, in these ways, then we have to be willing, and this takes a lot of courage, and I really honor the courage this takes, to begin to become more familiar with our inner world and our emotional experience. There's no other way. <laughs> we can't avoid it through the busyness of life. And it's really easy to avoid it for the, you know, through the busyness of life. Yes. And it's, it's effortless. It's truly effortless, Saloni, to really choose to do anything else. <laughs> There's a whole space for ourselves. You know what I mean? It's like... Binge watch. <laughs> yeah. Or the dishes or the garb taking out the garbage or the homework or the meal or the grocery shop. I mean, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. And it really does get in the way um, of us holding space. But what I will say is that I think sometimes people have this idea, well, I have to sit down and meditate for an hour or I have to take a whole day off or I have to go for a walk for, you know, three hours in the, on the mountaintop. Those things are great. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, when, but when we think that that's, or I have to go on retreat, right? Oh, I have to go hold space for myself for these five days and I'll come back into my life. You know, when we think about it this way, um, we're, not, we're, we're mostly not going to do it. And so really it's about even taking just a few moments to check in with what's going on inside and to acknowledge it, mm. to name it. You know, so even while, so, like, let's just imagine someone's washing dishes, right? And their mind's thinking about work or whatever. In that moment, if they could just, again, it all starts with slowing down. If they could just slow down and become present and feel into their body and feel into their emotions, and let's say their stress is present, and they could say to themselves, I accept this is how I'm feeling. That's holding space for yourself. It's, the, it's that simple as the first step, right? Or they're feeling afraid for something that's happening in their family. You know, I accept this is how I'm feeling. And you can feel the energy shift in that, right? You can feel the acceptance come in. Like it's like a softening. I'm going to name it, I'm going to see it, and I'm just going to say, okay, this is what's here. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Just really slowing down, really slowing down and really accessing what is happening in my internal world. And I think pausing because one of the reasons we are just so much into rush, just literally running through life, really. Running, yeah, running through life, absolutely. You know, one of the practices in the course too, the Holding Space for Healing course is, you know, letting there be silence and finding times for silence. Because again, if we don't kind of minimize the chaos and the noise of the world, mm -hmm. we might not even be able to get to that place where we know what we're feeling. Yeah. You know, so I always advocate, you know, don't turn on the podcast, don't turn on the music, you know, just any little times throughout your day 
where you can create silence for yourself. You know, that begins to allow the, the deeper feelings and the deeper experience that again, people might say, well, I don't even know what I'm feeling like I'm just too preoccupied. But if we, you know, if we slow down and we create times for silence, then it's going to bubble up. It's going to start, you know, we're going to make that spaciousness inside for what wants to emerge to start to come up. What wants to be felt? What wants to be held? We don't have to go digging for it. You know, when people, my students will say, well, do I have to go digging for my pain? I'm like, of course not. No one, no one needs to go digging for pain. <laughs> but when we create a healing space inside of our own self, right? When we create a healing container for our own self, it's just going to naturally arise. What we've been holding perhaps for a very long time and avoiding or not attending to will just begin to bubble up to the surface. Yeah, it's like you really becoming present to it because it was there. We're just trying to kind of push it down. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to know, I loved what you just said, uh, Rachel, about really bringing more silence in your day. I think we're already living in such a noisy world and inside also there's a lot of noise. Any more practices because I know whenever I, you know, talk to my clients or any parent, you know, please just slow down. That's the first step and they're like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and I can't sit still for five minutes even. And, and as if as if life would stop for them. So a lot of people have told me actually this experience that even the word slowing down, just sometimes just put them in a panic as if they just do it because sometimes they have such strong conditioning to be productive to be efficient and sometimes seems contradictory even though I, I love to tell them that you know when you slow down actually you're really accelerating in your life that's where actually things are just gonna flow but again it, until somebody experienced that I think they sometimes just don't understand so anything would you suggest like any practices which can help people to really when you bring this value and understand what does it mean when you really just slow down. Yeah, yeah. I think slowing down is really hard for people. Leon also talked about this in your episode about his client, you know, yeah. that just couldn't even sit outside with the birds for five minutes, but that over time when he committed to practicing, that it extended to 20, 30 minutes, you know, it took months and months and months, but he could. Um, so again, grace for ourselves, grace for where we are. Because again, if we approach ourselves with this, I have to do this, I have to change this. Again, that's also trying to fix ourselves. So when it comes to holding space for ourselves, you know, I really ask my students to find a practice that works for them in terms of how are you going to meet yourself for just 5, 10, 15 minutes today? where the distractions aren't there, you know, where the intention is to connect with your inner world. Mm -hmm. There was a time in my healing journey where I actually had to give up meditation because even meditation for me became a way to escape myself. So again, there's these very subtle ways that we avoid. And yes, you know, going fast to me is twofold. It's one, that's the conditioning. You know, we live in a productivity progress world where that has the highest value and we really believe we're machines like we forget that we're actually organic 
beings, you know, we've actually forgot we're organic beings that like is are connected to nature and are influenced by the seasons and perhaps the moon and other things and our energy levels wax and wane and there needs to be periods of rest and periods of productivity. You know, if we think about the seasons, you know, winter time, it's like everything goes into hibernation and summer, it's like, bam, you know, flowers are blooming and all these things. And we think we're not that, you know, we think we're so disconnected. Um, and we think we have to go, go, go all the time, but back to the practice. So everybody has to find their own way with this, but maybe it's literally journaling for nine minutes a day where they're just going to write what's in their mind, what's going on in their bodies. And maybe it's just, I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. Da, 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 da. Fine. <laughs> you know, just meet yourself where you are and, 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 and write it out. Maybe it's, you know, I learned a different kind of meditation where I would put my hands on my heart and I would invite my heart to say and feel and express anything it wanted. So it wasn't about not thinking. It wasn't about connecting to source. It wasn't about getting rid of thought. It was like, I'm just going to sit here and listen and feel whatever wants to be listened and felt. Wow. You know, maybe... Maybe it's, you know, when you walk to pick up your kids at school, you know, I'm going to do a, you know, a mindfulness walk where I look around the world and I say, okay, tree, car, sidewalk, you know, and I slow myself down and I practice presence on my walk. It could be anything and there's many more things to do. But my first suggestion to people is, okay, maybe you can't slow down right now, but spend a little time each day in self-reflection and meeting yourself, whatever that looks like. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Just meeting where you are. Just really meeting where you are. Meeting where you are. And it's harder. And it's funny, Selena, because it's so simple. Oh, I'm just going to meet myself. Cool. It's like very challenging to do that. So it takes practice. And I want to remind people that it takes practice. And, um, and you know, in our, in our course, you know, it's really the opportunity to be in practice with other people. So sometimes it can be really helpful to be learning something and practicing something in community because you're not alone, you know, and you get to share the challenges and share the successes and share the learnings and everybody benefits from that. Absolutely. And I think we cannot like emphasize this enough that it takes time. It takes months and years because I hear that a lot from people that yes, I did, you know, mindfulness practice for a few days and then I did meditation for a few days and I then went to, you know, retreat. It works for a couple of days, then it stopped working. And it's like, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And you know, keep coming back to yourself. I think that that's really important to yeah, with everything. Yeah, yeah. And some days we're going to be super successful and some moments we're going to be super successful and some moments we're going to be like really not <laughs> like the opposite. And that's okay. You know, it's really okay. And yeah, and holding space for those days when, when things are not just working out, you are just in a really bad mood or whatever is you're going through. That's fine. Yeah. Today I need to be held. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we all have those days and we all have those moments. All of us. No one, again, no one's a machine. This, you know, endless going, unfeeling machine. Nobody. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I think this beautifully sums up everything about holiday space, really. So, I would just love to end this with any particular qualities or any particular things you want to share about anything which is we haven't covered till now. Because I think we covered a lot about holiday space. But if you think, yeah. you know, as last message you would like to cover, Richard. Yeah. Well, I just want to um, name kind of where we are as a collective you know, in the world right now. I think it's really important to put holding space in context so it doesn't just feel like some woo-woo or spiritual or thing that we do like outside of our lives, but why is it so important to do in our lives as we are now? You know, the last year has been such an upheaval for the entire collective, for the worldwide collective. And we were thrown into a liminal space. You know, everything we had known, everything that was familiar and safe and normal and what was our routine and our ways of being, I mean, it all just ended very abruptly. And we were thrown into the liminal space and the liminal space is a space that's between the no longer and the not yet. It is a rite of passage space. And so even as we're starting to come out, we're not quite in the new. We're not quite in the new order. We've just started to come out, right? We're moving towards it. But we're no longer in the old order and we're no longer in the new order. And yet I hear and see a lot of people wanting to go back to that old order. Oh, now that we can, you know, now then some parts of the world, things are opening up. I'm just going to go back to how it was because that was safe and comfortable for me. But the truth is, Saloni, we can never go back. Mm. You know, once we leave that place, we never go back. You know, once you become a mother, you never go back to who you were before you became a mother. It's the same thing for all of us. And so really the opportunity here, I think for the entire world, is to sense inward, you know, how has this changed me? You know, how has this shifted me? Who am I now that I wasn't before? And to know who we are now requires that we perhaps feel things that are not super comfortable to feel. The fear of the past year, the pain of the last year, the losses of the last year, the financial stresses, the, conf the massive confusion, right? The unknown, all of it. You know, to really give ourselves permission to feel that so that we can step into the new order. We can step into this really brand new world in a way that is so much more authentic and present and connected to ourselves and each other. So I really think it is a grand opportunity for us to step back into our work environments, step back into our you know, family lives, step back into our most intimate relationships in very new ways and in ways that really create intimacy and connection and safety and you know to me all of that is really for the healing of the planet it's not just the healing of ourselves but when we do that we are really contributing to the healing of the collective oh. and so i just wanted to mention that you know it's like we are very much at a time and place where more than ever before i think this holding space work is important and valuable 
Absolutely. And how beautiful. And actually, I want to say more because I absolutely love what you said about liminal space. Because right now, I think everybody can so clearly see that. But also, it it is there throughout our lives. Every time we are going through any transition, I think that's what where we are. And we kind of, there's a pull from the old patterns. You know, we just want to go back to that comfort zone. Anytime we're stretching out, you know, to being in a new way for being. Just letting go of our old sabotaging behaviors or whatever it is. Yes. Would you like to add something more? Because it's so interesting. I don't want to end it here. Because everybody can see it in their own way. And when they are in that space, anything would you like to add to how really we need to really be kind to themselves in that space? And what more they can do there? Yes. So the liminal space is um, innately uncomfortable. Because again, it's like the old identity, like you said, is like it's dissolving away, it's falling away, it's sloughing off, or it was like in the pandemic, it was cut off, you know, very abruptly. Um, and the new identity, the new kind of beings in the world hasn't quite formed yet. Mm. So we're really in this, you know, very unknown territory. And that unknown territory flushes up so many feelings that we typically don't have to feel because we're, we're, you know, more solidly in our lives, you know, we're more, you know, but this is, um, we're very wobbly in the liminal space. It's a wobbly territory. Sometimes we don't even know what the next step is. Really? I mean, it can be that unknown. And so just bringing it full circle, you know, to, connect with others in the same space during this time to have space held for you. And I would recommend having space held for you by someone who has moved through the liminal space in a more awake, aware, conscious way where they've really allowed themselves because you can't rush through it. We try all the time. (laughs) Let me just get to the other side, please. God, goddess, all that is get me a parachute, get me to the other side as quickly as possible. Yeah. Any anything but this space, the, you know, it's the unknown. But when we learn to embrace that unknown, when we really learn to surrender to it, to honor it, to sit in it, to expand our capacity to be in it, you know, the gifts are innumerable. And this, you know, because we learn who we are beyond any thing yeah. outside of ourselves. Yeah. That's the gift. That's the treasure. It's like you know, the cave we, you know, Joseph Campbell said, the cave we fear to enter holds the treasure that we seek. Mm-hmm. So we go into the cave, we go into the dark, we go into the mystery with support, not always by ourselves, but again, with that support, with that guide, that mentor, that person holding space for us. And the, and the treasure is us, you know? And, and so I, I, you know, there's a grand opportunity right now to be with ourselves in ways that we've never been and to be with others in ways we've never been so that everybody can find themselves. Everybody can know themselves. Beautiful. That was just so beautiful to really embrace the unknown, embrace the uncertainty. And I think it's a a very vulnerable state. And if we can embrace that, there's so much strength in it. So much strength. 
slowly, right? Slowly, <laughs> slowly and gently and with support and with grace. Yeah. With grace and support. Beautiful. I think that was just beautiful wrap up to our session. I would say thank you so much for this, Rachel. And please tell our listeners where can they find your work? Oh, thank you, Saloni. Yeah. So I've been mentioning the course throughout our talk together and um, at the Center for Transformational Coaching, which is where I um, work and lead the Holding Space for Healing training. Um, you know, that's Leon Vanderpool's work and center, and he was on a previous podcast, so you can also listen to him. But find us at centerfortransformationalcoaching.com. It is an eight-week training, the Holding Space for Healing course. And um, it's for therapists, coaches, parents, nurses, healing practitioners of all kinds. It's really for anyone, anyone who desires to learn how to hold healing space for themselves and others during this time and to accelerate their own healing journey. And so we welcome you into a future course. If you need to reach me, you can actually reach me through that website. And I also have my own uh, website, rachelstarbrook.com. And please reach out to me with any questions at any time for any reason. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with me, Rachel. And I absolutely loved the conversation. And I'm sure our listeners would have loved it too. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you, Saloni. It was amazing. Wow, what a beautiful and heartwarming conversation with Rachel Starr about holding space for yourself and your loved ones. If you have any questions about this, feel free to reach out to me or Rachel. All the links are in the show notes below. And I would highly encourage you to check out her websites and her work. And the links are in the show notes as well. And if you are someone who is going through some kind of challenge or pain or any situation where you want to explore if a life coach can support you and hold space for you to help you navigate through this time, feel free to send me an email to find out more. You can connect with me at coach at salonisink.com. And I will be seeing you very soon in the next episode of Raising Parents 2.0 with another amazing guest. Till then, keep evolving, keep growing and keep inspiring yourself, your children and the whole world. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, please do share with others who would benefit from this and also leave a review for me and Rachel. Thank you. Bye-bye.